0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. If you're here for the very first time, welcome. We want to welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus. And uh, if you're online for the first time, thank you also for being here. Uh, My name is Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, Before we get into the message this morning, I just want to acknowledge something. We've been talking about a lot of tough things. Those of you who have been coming every week, you know, these, we're calling them elephants and and they're called elephants because they're hard to talk about. They're obvious, but we, we maybe don't want to address them. We talk about them in our everyday life, but maybe not so much here at church. But I want you to understand something. When I talk about these things, I realize that some of them are going to impact some of you way more than others. And today we're talking about widows and orphans. And, and I know that here in the church family, we had a, a, a family that lost their, their husband and dad this week. So it's going to be a really tough message. And maybe you, you've never had a dad in your home or or a mom. And and so I recognize that it could be really hard. And just last night on my way home, I always call my brother Tom, my older brother. He's 14 years older than me, and he just had some uh, heart procedure recently. You know, and I call him see how he's doing. And last night, his his daughter, my niece, was there, and her. Her husband's brother is going through cancer. And it, they told him he has 3 to 15 months to live. And, and her husband said to her, you know, why doesn't God ever answer my prayers? And, uh, you know, that's a question we all ask, isn't it? I, I want my husband to get better. I want my friend to get better. I want, I want, I want what I want. <laughs> and it's a good thing. And we pray for a lot of good things. And, and Leanne gave a really good answer God is answering your prayer he might not be answering the way you want him to right now but he is God is not silent God is always listening and that isn't a very good answer for someone whose brother is dying of cancer but God is able to heal the Doug if, and if you want to pray for him his name is Doug and, and we know that and maybe he will and, and maybe he won't that's the part we don't understand why doesn't he just always heal everybody and, and we could, that's a message for another day But I just want to put it in the context for all of us. I know that everyone in the room, everybody watching online, you have big issues in your life. And we're dealing with these big issues that we're calling elephants. This is the fifth of the six elephants that we're going to deal with. Because we recognize just pretending they aren't there doesn't make them go away. We have to address them. And some people say, well, you know, if you just preach Jesus, that'll be enough. And and, and if you ever came to New Life for a couple of weeks, you know that we preach Jesus around here. But I do want to tell you something. Even Jesus didn't just preach Jesus. Jesus' primary message was about the kingdom of God. And as we talk today, as we talk about this new elephant, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. In fact, when John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus, the first thing that he said was, repent. Actually, last night I did it this way. Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm pretty sure that's how John the Baptist talked. I wasn't there, but I'm guessing. He doesn't seem like he was a happy guy, right? And repent means to turn around. If you're in the darkness, you're in sin, you're over here, you turn around. It means to change your mind and come back to God. But what many people don't know is Jesus' first message was repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. That was Jesus' very first message because Jesus knew That what the world needs is the kingdom of God. He came because we are a world filled with sin. And he came to do something nobody else could do, to live a perfect life. We couldn't do that. He came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for human sin, which none of us could pay because we're sinners. But he wasn't. So he in his innocence, paid the penalty, which was death. And then he rose from the dead and he returned to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit, the living spirit of the, and power and presence of God to us so that our lives can be transformed from the inside out so that we can experience some of the kingdom of God here and now. And as we deal with these elephants, that's the thing that we have to realize is that God's power over sin and death is very real. And we can address the sin in our lives personally and we can address the sin in our culture, but before we do that we have to acknowledge that it's there. That's why we're talking about these elephants. And the elephants we've talked about so far are the elephants of abortion, racism, suicide, and sexuality. They're part of the darkness. Now, sexuality isn't bad. Of the four that we've talked about so far, sexuality in itself was created by God. It's only bad when we misuse it. But abortion and racism and suicide, those are things we need to end so that our lives can reflect that kingdom of God life that Jesus lived and died and rose again and sent his spirit for us to experience. The book of Revelation tells us a little bit about what it's going to be like when the kingdom of God comes in all of its fullness. Before we turn there, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that whatever's going on in our life right now, you know, and you're there, and you love us, and you care about us. And we do pray, God, for peace for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for your presence and the presence of your body, the church, to surround those who are struggling and suffering. God, I pray for Doug specifically this morning, and and I know that we all have someone that is sick physically sick who needs healing, and we pray for your hand of healing upon him. God, we pray today that as we open your word, that you will give us your truth as you always do, and that that truth will open our spirits to your life that is truly life, and that you will empower us to live it boldly and humbly, confidently and compassionately today and every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we find in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and the last two chapters are all about what it's like when Jesus conquers evil and there's only goodness forever. It says this, "...I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever." And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. As Pastor Brad reminded us, When he talked about racism a few weeks ago, he also referred to uh, the book of Revelation, that when this happens, there will be people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. In other words, heaven is multicolored and multiracial. And in that experience, there will be no death. There will be no crying. There will be no pain. None of that will be around anymore. And in that time, it will be amazing and wonderful. But John the Baptist and Jesus reminded us of something very important That is not just pie in the sky in the by and by, but the kingdom of God is for here and now. We are to live out the power and the experience of God's kingdom here and now. Do you remember what Jesus told us to pray? In, In the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, didn't he say this? When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom comes wherever His will is done. That's what Jesus was saying in that prayer. That the way that God's kingdom comes, not ultimately. In ultimate terms, it's when Jesus comes back. But right now, right here in this place called Saxonburg and in every place around the world, the kingdom of God marches forward wherever His will is done. God owns the world. It's His. He created it. But the devil claims it now. And the only way that, that the devil is defeated... Is when the people of God, in the name of Jesus, make the kingdom of God move forth. It's a battle, and the key thing is we need to understand we are in a battle. It's not something that it's not something that we can take lightly, and it, it's not it's not something. And all of us who know, because we live life every day, it's hard. It's a challenge. It's difficult. And so today's elephant that we're going to address is widows and orphans. And you might be thinking widows and orphans. I mean, we talked about abortion. Racism, suicide, and sexuality? I mean, how is, how is widows and orphans even a, an elephant? Well, those first four that we talked about, those are elephants because we just want to avoid those issues. We really don't want to bring them up because we know it's going to cause difficulty and challenge. But the elephant of widows and orphans is an elephant because it's an epidemic in our culture. And for the most part, we have caused it. And that's the part we don't want to address. In biblical times, God's people were commanded to care for the widow, the fatherless, and the sojourner in the land. So in biblical times, people were commanded to care for the widow, that's the person without a husband, the fatherless. It doesn't say orphan. It says fatherless, the one who's without a dad, and the sojourner. That's the foreigner or the refugee. We're supposed to take care of them. And in in those days, people became widows and fatherless primarily through war. Now, obviously, there would be things like famine and natural disasters. But ordinarily, what happened was people became fatherless because they went off to battle and they didn't come back. Now, in our day, in 2019, widows and the fatherless become that way primarily through violence, poverty, and abandonment. Now, that's the elephant. The chart that's going to be on the screen right now, I'd like you to look at it. This is a chart that says how many children lived in homes without a dad, with a mother only, in 1960, 70, 10-year bans up until 2020. And look at the difference. Back in 1960, basically, it averages out to about 10% of people. One in 10 children didn't have a dad in their home. It averages out now across all you know, populations in America to about 3 out of 10. One in every 3 kids are growing up without a dad. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, Chris, that, that's not an orphan. I mean, somebody without a dad isn't an orphan. And, and that's what we do. We tend to argue about, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? Is, we'd rather argue about definitions than do something about the situation. But today's take-home point is this. God's love requires that we care for widows and orphans in their distress. And we can argue and debate about what an orphan is or isn't, what a widow is or isn't, and because, you know, that's what we tend to do. But nearly 2,000 years ago, James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this statement to the church at large in the world in which he lived. And it says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What a powerful combination, caring for widows and orphans in their distress and not letting the world corrupt us. That is true and genuine religion before the Lord. And the world corrupts us in many ways. But I think one of the primary ways that the world corrupts us is by distracting us from doing what love, Jesus' love, requires of us in all these areas that we've been talking about. Because these elephants that we've addressed over five weeks now, they're not rogue elephants that are rumbling through some jungle by themselves. Those five, those five and many more elephants are all connected to a culture that has forgotten Jesus and his love. Has forgotten that as followers of Jesus, we're called to love one another as Jesus first loved us. And and you know we can we can actually forgive. We have to forgive people who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord because they don't care about the unborn or they don't you know think very much about people that or they don't like people that are different than them or they don't think very much about suicide or that you know they do whatever feels good when it comes to sexuality or or they think that it's the government's problem what happens to these kids that don't have any dads. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I mean, how can we say? anything about people that think that but if Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord in our lives then what we have to understand is that we have to not bury our heads in the sand when it comes to all of these elephants we have to do something about it and I'm not saying we're not doing anything about it here at New Life or or some other church that you might have been from what I'm saying is as a whole the Christian church in America is not doing what Jesus love requires of us And so many of you know New Life's mission statement. I hope you do. It's to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Now that's an impossible mission statement if Jesus Christ is not Savior and Lord and if we don't have the Holy Spirit in our lives. But He is the Savior and Lord of all. He did die on the cross for our sins and He did rise from the dead and He did send the Holy Spirit to live in us. So the key word in that mission statement for all of us today is one. You see, it says, we're going to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world. Well, we can't share the new life of Jesus Christ with the whole world. We can't share the new life of Jesus Christ with a whole nation. We can't share the new life of Jesus Christ even with the state of Pennsylvania. We can't even share the, whole, the, the new life of Jesus Christ with all of Butler County. But what we can do, what you and I, each of us can do, is we can share the new life of Jesus with one person. You and I can do that. There's mil- there are millions of women living their lives without a husband in their home, and millions of kids without a dad or a mom. There are, you know, 40 million babies are aborted every year. 43,000 people commit suicide in America every year. And all those things, you know what they are? They're statistics. They're sad. They're, they're overwhelming. But they're just statistics. But each of those 40 million babies, each of those 43,000 suicides, each each mom or child without a dad in their home. They're one person with a name. They have a name. They were created by God. They matter to him. And because they matter to him, they they matter to us. So what if every one of us who follows Jesus Christ in America would come alongside of one pregnant woman who doesn't know what to do or come alongside one person who just doesn't know what, they just don't think life's worth living. Or what if we'd come alongside one teenager who's been told that there are 30 different genders when there are only two? What if some child who doesn't have a dad in their home, what if one of us would come alongside of him or her? You see, James said that would be pure and genuine religion before the Lord. And I have a very, very important question for all of us this morning. How many of you want to be living pure and genuine religion in the sight of God in your life? Anybody? Yeah, and last night everybody raised their hand. We all want to do that, you know, and so... Many of you have adopted children, you've fostered, done foster care for children, you haven't argued or debated about whether you know, they were really orphans or whether their parents just couldn't bring them up, but you, you were there for them. And about a year and a half ago, a pastor that I had met on a mission trip to Cambodia sent me an email, and he said there were three sisters who needed a home in America because they were American citizens, and he wondered if anybody in New Life would be able to do that. Now, why in the world would a pastor from Canada email you know us? Well, there had been eight of us on a mission trip to Cambodia and he was there and he had watched the folks from New Life, you know, caring for hundreds of orphans at kids camp and he thought just maybe that we might be a church that would care for widows and orphans in their distress. And so Nancy and I have experienced the blessing over the past year and a half, as many of you have, of having Teresa and Yukina and Yumiko in our lives. Now, uh, it was funny because a couple weeks before that email came, I was sitting in staff meeting. And if you sit in staff meeting, it's like Chris and Nancy, to mom and dad, and then you have all these kids around us, you know, because the staff is like in their 20s and 30s. And they're all saying, hey, we're going to adopt a kid, you know, we're going to pa- be foster parents. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, good for them because I'm done with that. You know, I, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm too old for that. But when Nancy and I built our house 12 years ago, we said to God, it's yours. And we'll use it for whatever you want us to use it for. And so at first what that meant was we had men's fraternity at our house every Wednesday night in the basement. And we had a couple of worship services. Some of you have been around a long time, might remember we had a Maundy Thursday service in our basement. And then Brad and Sam came and lived with us for a couple years. And then uh, Kelsey Kovac came and lived with us for a few months when she was Kelsey Boehmer. But after that, it was just sort of, you know, a staff party now and then and maybe a dinner. Uh, and the thing is, <laughs> each of us are going to get to an age when we need other people to take care of us. But when we're not at that age, when we're not old enough that we need other people to take care of us, pure and genuine religion before the Lord requires us to do what we can to help others. And I want to share this morning about a few people that way back when we first started New Life, when we first started New Life, uh, we were offered a building uh, of the Bible Church of Ivywood by Earl and Rose McRoberts. They were almost 90 years old. And they opened up a building so that we could start new life. And then when we had our first meeting at Ivywood, it was actually a Tuesday night. And we went there to clean the place up. It had been closed down for two years. And so we went there, you know, to clean it up, spruce it up for the worship service that was coming up. And it's interesting because this coming Tuesday night is the 18th anniversary of that clean-up night. And before we started cleaning up, um, I did what I usually do. I, I said, let's have some worship. And then I, I, I preached. And I had a vision casting message that night, and I said something like this. I said, you know, New Life is going to be a church where everybody has a ministry. You're going to have a ministry in the church or out in the community. New Life is going to be a place that shares the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And if you are part of New Life, you have a ministry. And so then we got our mops and our vacuum cleaners and our, you know, brooms, and we started cleaning the place up. And pretty soon there's these three old ladies they, they came walking up to me, and, and when I say old, I mean, they were in their 70s and 80s, okay? And they said, Pastor Chris, we know what our ministry is at New Life. I said, what is it, ladies? And they said, we're going we're gonna to visit the old people. <laughs> I said, okay, uh, you're going to visit the old people. And, and it was Mary McCandless and Jane Kirkpatrick and uh, Peg Kier. And they were good to their word. For as long as they were able, they went and visited the old people in the nursing homes and in their homes. And actually, they started visiting each other when one of them couldn't you know, get out anymore. And, and the thing is, they, they got it. They understood what they were called to do. And because they did that, Somebody who needed a visit, somebody who needed care, received care. And imagine, that's what, it's, that's what it's supposed to be like. That's pure and genuine religion. I mean, it doesn't have to be caring for a widow or an orphan. It can be cared, caring for somebody who, who just thinks life is hopeless or somebody who's in prison or in a nursing home who needs to have somebody visit them. All of those possibilities are, are for us. And, and I always knew that New Life was going to be a big church. I did, because we had people like Mary and Jane and Peg, who took their responsibility seriously, who knew that when God called everybody to do a ministry, that everybody meant them. And not just the people sitting next to them, but every single person in the room. And the thing is, we all have a gift from God. We all have special skills and abilities. We all have a personality, you know, that makes us unique and allows us to have a ministry with somebody else. And imagine, there are about 1,200 of us that call New Life our church home now. Imagine what will happen when every one of the 1,200 of us takes those special gifts and abilities and skills that God has given us and uses them here in Saxonburg and in our area and in our region and even to the ends of the earth to do ministry in Jesus' name. I mean, that is our calling, and that's what I know is going to happen. And as Jesus has been experienced by us, we can help other people to experience Jesus, and we can care for the widow and the orphan, and we can make sure that these children aren't aborted, and all of these things that we're talking about. And I know what you're thinking right now. What you're thinking right now is, well, that sounds unrealistic. There's never been a church where everybody in the church does something. No church everybody ha- no church ever has everybody, you know, using their time and their talents and their treasure in touch in reaching out and sharing and growing and living the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Well, I just want to tell you something this morning. I'm not asking everyone in the church to do something. I'm just asking you. 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 Me. I'm not asking everybody. I'm just asking you, one person. Because when one person does something, when one person does something, everyone does something. If it's everyone in the place, right? So for all of my adult life, all of my adult life, I've devoted that life to sharing and growing and living the new life of Jesus Christ and other people. I get to do it with a lot of people on the weekends these days. But, you know, most of the time through the week, I'm still doing it one-on-one. And in a small group, actually, Nancy and I invest much of our time with three girls whose names are Teresa, Eukina, and Yumiko. And, you know, I wish I could minister one-on-one with everybody in the room, everybody watching online. The truth is I can't, but you can. You can minister with one other person. You can minister with a small group of people. You can be the one who reaches out to that little boy that you see throwing the ball up in the air by himself in your yard next door. Because there's nobody else to play catch with him, you can do something. And when you do, that is pure and genuine religion before the Lord. And that's what James reminded of us so long ago. Now, I want to tell you something. When you do that, when you get involved in the life of some other people that, you know, they're not biologically related to you, it's going to get messy. It's not always going to be fun. And it's going to be awkward and strange. And I'll tell you what. You want to know what was strange? The day that Nancy and I sat down in our living room across from Teresa, Yukina, and Yumiko, and we said, oh, hi. We're going to be um, sort of like your dad and mom from now on. And that's the way it's going to work. We know we're not your dad and mom. But if you're going to live here, we're going to treat you like our children. We're going to love you like our children. We're going to discipline you like our children. And if you're willing to do it that way, then welcome to the family. And they all said yes. And I'm going to tell you a little actual thing I didn't say last night. And, and, and so one of them, I remember, don't remember which one, said, so what do we call you? And Nancy said, well, you just call me Nancy. And I said, well, call me the most reverend Dr. Chris Marshall. <laughs> and then I said, just call me Chris. Okay, so, so anyway, when we get involved in people's lives, and, and I'll tell you what, all five of us will tell you it is not always a bed of roses. It's not always fun, but it's always better. It's always better. So here's today's next step. I will care... I'm going to start crying. (laughs) That didn't happen last night. They weren't here. Sorry, I don't usually do this. I certainly wasn't planning to do this because I'm a tough guy. (laughs) Okay, so... Today's next step is I will care for a widow or orphan in a practical way this week. Now... I'd like to expand that a little bit, not just widow or orphan, but older person, a hopeless person, any person who doesn't know the love of Jesus in their life. We're going to do something about that this week. And the thing is, as we do that, it will be messy. It will be awkward at times. But the thing is, as we do that, the love of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the life of Jesus will address all of these elephants that nobody wants to talk about. And it will make an incredible difference in the world. And I'm going to tell you, if you do it, your home might be fuller than you thought it was going to be. You might care about somebody you never thought you'd care about in a million years. You might become the oldest dad or foster dad in your neighborhood. (laughs) Uh, I look a little odd at lacrosse games, I'll just tell you that. Everybody thinks I'm somebody's grandpa. I could be, but I'm not just yet. So, as we go out, As we go out today, every one person can make a big difference. And when all the one people make a big difference, wow. That's what the church is all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be your hands and feet, your eyes, your ears, your heart to people. God, we know that there is a big mess out there in the world. We've caused most of it, God, but we know that you call us to clean it up by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And so today I pray from the bottom of my heart that each and every one of us will do what we can do so that you will be glorified and so that your kingdom will grow and so that people in this community, in our region, our nation, at the very ends of the earth will know what pure and genuine religion before you is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.